Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a series of short personal stories where we explore the idea that truth is stranger than fiction. This week's episode, entitled Two Buddhist Shorties, gives us a pair of stories about the lighter side of meditative practice. Who is this Yogi Berra? takes place at a meditation retreat in New York City, where a renowned British Buddhist learns some funny lessons about American baseball. Then, in Abe the Snorer, we join a meditation sitting at the Cambridge Insight Meditation Center, where the inappropriate utterances of an old Jewish Buddhist have both comic and tragic consequences. Two Buddhist Shorties I was first drawn to Buddhist meditation by a fervent desire to find some peace in this world, and I've been practicing for many years. Seriousness of purpose has always been my mantra while meditating. However, I can't help notice how there are many moments when the heightened awareness and high-minded dogma of the quiet meditation hall fall apart, and the absurdity of the world and people's behavior breaks through. Buddhist monks and teachers from the Far East embrace the absurd as part of the practice. They are quite playful and full of laughter and joy while they sit, and often have a twinkle in their eye. British and American followers, by and large, seem to find such behavior inappropriate and frivolous. What follows are two little stories about the lighter side of contemplative practice. Who is this Yogi Berra? I once attended a large all-day meditation retreat at the Ethical Culture Society, where the guest of honor was a renowned British Buddhist. The 500-seat hall was filled to capacity. The introductory speaker had engineered a novel beginning. He started out with... Unlike the beginning of most public events, I'm going to ask each of you to turn on your cell phone and turn up the volume all the way. A murmur passed through the crowd as everyone followed instructions, and almost immediately, the ringing began. It was quite astounding, a cacophony of all types of ringtones. One was a revving motorcycle, another had a comic French clown saying, Bonjour, bonjour. Sting sang Roxanne, and the stones intoned Jumpin' Jack Flash. The biggest laugh came when a manly man with a deep voice and a Texas accent said, Howdy, partner. That's cowboy talk for high. The laughs came in waves. First there was the laughter at all the racket that all the mobile devices made. Then when things quieted down, there were peals of laughter in response to particular ringtones. With the third full round of laughs, the speaker suggested that we all turn off our phones. After this, he asked everyone to quiet down and listen gratefully to the peaceful silence. You could hear a pin drop. It was the perfect beginning to an all-day meditation retreat. He then introduced the British Buddhist, who artfully interwove the experience of this raucous beginning with the peaceful practice of meditation. He segued into a short guided meditation that led to a full 90 minutes of uninterrupted silent meditation. 
During the Q&A afterwards, someone in the audience quoted Yogi Berra, who once famously observed, we're totally lost, but we're making incredibly good time. The guest speaker was impressed with Barrow's quote and thought it was a Buddhist koan. In Zen Buddhism, a koan is a paradoxical anecdote or riddle used to demonstrate the inadequacy of logical reasoning and to provoke enlightenment. For example, when both hands are clapped, a sound is produced. Listen to the sound of one hand clapping. After the speaker praised the supposed koan, he asked, Who is this yogi, Bera, thinking he was a practitioner of yoga and meditation? Nonetheless, everyone laughed because they thought he was being facetious. After all, everyone in New York knew who yogi Bera was, but of course, not every British Buddhist did. At the time, the Yankee catcher was at the height of his career and made his second career out of his favorite nonsensical expressions. Now the speaker looked truly confused at all the laughter at the joke he seemed to be the butt of, but he shrugged it off. The audience quieted, and he took another question about the practice of meditation. After the lunch break, just as the speaker was about to begin again, two women approached the stage with a present for him, a book of Yogi Berra quotations called The Yogi Book that they had purchased nearby. The speaker then opened the book to a random page and read, If you come to a fork in the road, take it. He paused and then said, Great koan. Then he read, It ain't over till it's over. And he commented, Also excellent. So too with, You can learn a lot by just watching. That one got some laughs. One after another, he was wowed by Bera's Buddhist wisdom. The future ain't what it used to be, got some laughs too. If the world were perfect, it wouldn't be. The hall found that one a little confusing. Finally, after reading Deja Vu all over again, he said, These are fabulous koans and I've never heard any of them before. Again I ask, Who is this yogi, Bera? At this point, at the back of the hall, a woman yelled out, He's a pitcher for the Yankees! To which the rest of the crowd roared, almost in unison, No, no, he's a catcher for the Yankees! Now the renowned Buddhist was truly baffled. Plus, unlike what goes on at baseball games and a meditation retreat, people never yell out from the audience. One of the other people on the dais came over to him, and you could see them both looking over the front of the book as he pointed out the explanation. Now the Buddhist, with a wise smile, quieted the crowd with both hands up, and in the spirit of the moment, yelled out, He's also a great yogi! There was one final wave of laughter and applause, and then we settled in for an afternoon of quiet meditation. Abe the Snorer My interest in Buddhist meditation started at the Cambridge Insight Meditation Center located in an old, stately, beautifully restored house on Broadway, not far from Harvard Square. Every Tuesday night, there was an open sitting with no admission, and anybody could attend. On my first visit, everyone seemed friendly and forthright, and there was no particular dress code, and the group was refreshingly mixed in terms of race, age, gender, and sexual persuasion. Each subsequent week, the sitting had the same format. People would take a cushion and arranged themselves on the polished hardwood floors 
and wait quietly for the teacher to begin. Because I had a back problem, which made assuming a lotus position impossible for me, I sat at a folding chair at the back, as did Abe, an ancient Jewish Buddhist who always sat next to me to my left. We got to know each other more through physical proximity than through conversation. The teacher would begin with a short welcome and pass along a few announcements. Then there would be a 45-minute seated meditation, followed by a Dharma talk and a question-and-answer period. Dharma is the Pali word for truth. This night, Abe displayed two of his habits that often accompanied our meditation. Firstly, he farted during the silent meditation. His flatulence seemed to have no discernible effect on anybody except me. I found it so hilarious that I had to pinch my nose closed to keep from laughing out loud. My eyes watered profusely, but not a peep escaped my lip. Next, Abe fell asleep during the meditation. This wasn't usually a problem, but on the night in question, he also started to snore, quite loudly and rhythmically at first. I found myself able to successfully keep his snoring from distracting from my meditation until he issued a series of short snorts and his rhythm totally fell apart. My annoyance at this was completely un-Buddhist-like, and so I tried to use it as an opportunity to work on my meta-meditation, which is being mindful of the loving kindness and compassion that I felt toward Abe. The teacher ended the meditation session by lightly striking a Buddhist gong with a leather-padded stick. The sound of the gong woke Abe, who sat up, stretched, and looked quite pleased with himself after his restful little nap. The Dharma talk that the teacher delivered focused on distraction and was probably a direct response to Abe's utterances. He touched upon all the usual points, how distractions, in this case the snorer, can in the simplest sense just distract us from what we are about, and we have to become aware of this and begin again. He also discussed how distractions can also lead us into discursive thinking, analyzing the particulars of the distraction itself or of the nature of distraction in general. He went on to describe a half a dozen different ways to look at distractions like the snorer. The question and answer period was completely dominated by various questions about and responses to the snorer. One older white-haired female suggested, sometimes having a distraction to work against, in this case the noise of the snorer, gives us a certain clarity and resolution in one's meditation. A younger male in hippie garb was more reactive. Maybe the snorer should have gotten a good night's sleep before he came to a meditation class. People looked amused by how off the mark the young speaker was. Another man was more compassionate. I feel sorry for the snorer, because now he must be embarrassed by all the back and forth about his snoring. On and on it went, the snorer this and the snorer that. I was beginning to feel quite sorry for Abe, who seemed completely oblivious to all this negative attention. Then he lightly tapped me on the shoulder, leaned toward me, and innocently whispered in my ear, Who is the snorer? As he looked at me, and before I could think of the consequences of my actions, I pointed my finger straight at him. He immediately looked puzzled, then surprised, and then hurt. I shrugged my shoulders toward him as a sort of apology. He then stood up with some difficulty and folded his chair, creating a fair amount of distracting noise, and left the meditation hall. After his departure, which everyone observed, 
The teacher turned his remarks to compassion and loving kindness, suggesting that maybe he should have handled the discussion of the snorer differently, considering he was sitting right there. There was a lot of back and forth, but mostly people felt bad for the snorer, except maybe the hippie. And all agreed that there needed to be some sort of group apology at the next session. Sadly, that may have been the last time that Abe ever darkened the door of the Cambridge Insight Meditation Center. I pulled aside the teacher after the next session to suggest that he or someone else might do well to contact Abe. That session, by pure coincidence, was also my last. I moved from Boston to New York the following week, where I started a long search to find a meditation center that equaled what I had found in Cambridge. I never learned if Abe returned. I certainly hope he found his way back to the center. The Compulsive Storyteller is produced by Peter Kakoma and me, Greg Lefebvre. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe to The Compulsive Storyteller on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And it would be great if you could leave a review. Follow the show on Instagram at The Compulsive Storyteller and check out our website at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening. And if you didn't like this one, the next one will be another story. Thank you.